We are so glad that you are with us here at Shine Church on this first weekend of 2024. I wanted to start off with a testimony, and that is we got to have uh, our kids, all of our kids with us this Christmas season, including uh, our daughter and son-in-law from Nashville and our son and daughter-in-law from San Francisco. And so, you know, they were with us. It was a great time and everything. And then our, our son, Zach, and his wife, uh, they come here. They drive here from, from California. They dropped off their big golden retriever with us, and then they fly to North Carolina, have Christmas with her side of the family, come back, pick up their dog. and do. So that's kind of what they do. So they were back with us on uh, Friday night the 30th into, or the 29th into, the, uh, into Sunday, the, uh, the 31st. And uh, so they left on Sunday morning and uh, they forgot their dog food. And they have a big golden with a big, and they have like a two-day drive where they stretched out to three days. You know, they had some fun on the way back. And so, but anyway, so he called me like, Dad, can you, uh, can you meet at me halfway from Highlands Ranch and bring the dog food? I'm like, if you bring me breakfast burritos from Tamale Kitchen, then, you know, every man has his price. So he's like, okay, deal. So we meet at Highlands, uh, Castle Pines Parkway, and we make the exchange. You know, don't look too suspicious. We switch. And then on, we're both getting in our cars. We're both leaving, and we both at the same time see a dog without an owner, and the dog was kind of wandering aimlessly between the gas station and this new uh, car wash that they're building right there. And we're both dog lovers, so instantly, we both turn our cars back in, jump out of our cars. Zach takes off and goes after kind of calling the dog, here, you know, you know whatever, uh, and, and goes that way. But I'm like, what if he chases the dog inadvertently on the other side of the car wash back towards the busy street, back to Castle Pines Parkway? So I decide naturally in my slippers, my hair's undone. I mean, I just was exchanging burritos for dog food. Don't judge me. So I go through the chain link fence around the construction zone of the car wash and I'm running to try to get there to save this dog's life from, you know, getting hit. And all of a sudden I'm like, whoa, what was that? I look around, it was a bunch of two by fours with nails sticking straight out. Oh yeah, like big, like 16 penny, like big nails. Sure enough, went all the way on my foot. Um, here's the testimony about it. Is that A, um, I didn't develop gangrene and my jaw didn't lock up with tetanus because I did not go get a tetanus shot. Say, that's bad. Ooh, that's bad. Okay, don't do that. If you step on something sharp, go get a tetanus shot. Am I doing the right thing, Rich? Am I conveying, am I conveying Dr. Rich, conveying the right message? Don't follow my example. Do what I say, not what I do. But more importantly, aside from, yes, there was no amputation. I still have both of my feet. As you can tell, I'm kind of able to stand. More importantly, it bought me some time because I didn't really have a plan for personal fitness in 2024. So now if anybody's like, hey, have you hit the gym yet? Have you gone out running? I'm like, oh, no, man, I got a nail through my foot. Like, I, I got to really nurture this thing. So anyway, you know, God has blessed me already in multiple ways in 2024. But here's why I share that story with you. Uh, you know, talking about fitness, talking about goals. I think all of us use, or a lot of us anyway, use this time of the year to kind of you know, take inventory a little bit of our lives. Would you agree? Kind of go introspective a little bit, look at our lives, look at how things are going, um, how we feel about our story. Uh, are there things that we want to attain that, that, that have been elusive? Are there things that we want to shed? Are there habits or addictions or weights holding us back that we say, this is the year that I'm gonna have victory over that. This is the year, let this be the year. That I, that I have a breakthrough in that area. Maybe there's a relationship that you want to see healing and you're praying like, hey, let this be the year 
that my kids talk to me once again or maybe that I break the ice and, and reconciliation happens in that relationship, right? Maybe this is the year that I develop something in my spiritual walk with God or that I've never seen happen in my life and I've seen it in others around me. I'm like, God, how about this year, right? Maybe I make resolutions, I set goals, I join the gym, I do whatever it might be. But it's, a, it's an effort to see like, hey, there's an opportunity to write a new chapter, in our lives. Would you agree that this is a good time of year to do that? Maybe you're like me, you're more of a cannonballer. You know, I'm like, woohoo, I don't have any goals, but cannonball, 2024, it's gotta be better. <laughs> I'm not doing anything different, but yes. <laughs> Definition of insanity. Here's what I believe God wanted us to do as we, as we jump into this new teaching series and to this year together. I just believe that God wants us to know that he sees your heart if you're wanting to write a new chapter in your story. He hears that prayer. He, he sees that longing in your heart. But he wants you to know that really writing a new chapter in our story can't even happen until we realize that we've got to plug into his story. That any chapter that I'm going to write, anything I'm going to become, any virtue I'm going to develop, any breakthrough I'm going to see, any victory I'm going to see happen, any mountain I'm going to climb... It's going to happen not because I just decided to in my own will, but because I took a moment to recognize that my story is rooted in a bigger story, and that's the story of God's blessing. And so I believe that, you know, we're going to spend the next few weeks, months, maybe even an entire year looking at how God wants us to enter into lives of overflow. But this being the very first weekend, I believe that God just wants us to walk away with a very clear message that your story and my story doesn't begin with you and me. But it begins with a God who chose you and me and a God who blessed you and me and a God who then called us to live with him, a life of overflow. And I believe that as, as we get that in our spirit man and establish that foundation, then he's gonna be able to challenge us and lead us and draw us and call us in the months and weeks ahead to be able to see how he wants to do that through us. So let's begin with that, Genesis chapter 12, first of all, the Bible, some people have said you can divide it into two parts, just two parts. So, you know, if you want a simple Bible outline, two parts. Are you ready? Genesis 1 through 11, the big setup, four big events. Creation, God created everything. It was good. The fall, man and woman decided to disobey God, choose their own way. The flood, God gets upset. Everything is like, oh man, the imaginations of man and woman's hearts is evil all the time. I'm going to destroy everything. Noah finds favor with God. Okay, so there's a salvation of the human race and then ultimately the Tower of Babel. They decide to build the big skyscraper so they don't have to obey God's command to fill the earth and subdue it. And all of a sudden, there's all this genealogy and people having kids, having kids, having kids and everything's back populated again. Genesis 1 through 11. Part two of the Bible. Say part two. Part two. Genesis 12 to Revelation 22. It's the story of God revealing his love and his nature as a blesser to the human race so that every nation and tribe and tongue, so that every young boy and girl and every grandpa and grandma, every man and woman can know what an incredible God he is and have a chance to trust him and love him and worship him so that he receives glory from every, every tribe and nation and tongue on planet earth. Pretty cool story, huh? So this is chapter one of that story. God's get the setup right. We need him desperately. We're messed up. We've messed it all up. We're in sin. We're broken. Chapter 12, it says this. 
the Lord had said to Abram, we know he's later called Abraham, but his name at this time was Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and all the people they had uh, acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Excuse me. I wasn't planning on getting emotional to a point two, but... So, 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 so goes it. I believe that what God wants us to understand, if we're going to co-write with him an incredible chapter that brings him glory in our lives and as a church this year, he wants us to know that we're blessed, but even before we talk about being blessed, what had to happen with Abram before he was blessed by God is that he was chosen. God chose him before he even blessed him. And God has chosen you and chosen me, and I believe that it, it, it fuels our story with power so that we can live from his story. Here's the cool thing, right? His dad, uh, uh, Terah, had left Ur of the Chaldees where they lived in the, in the, in the, the fertile crescent Mesopotamia, kind of modern-day Iraq, south of, of Babylon. Uh, they had left there, and they wanted to go to Canaan. We don't know that it was really a call from God. It was just as far as the Bible says, a decision that they made with Abram, they left there, but they settled in Haran. And all of a sudden, who knows how much time Abram spent there, but he had some time there. They lived their life there. And then one day, the word of the Lord came to Abram and said, hey, go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land. I will show you. And God speaks over him his blessing. Here's why is, is uh, being chosen so important. Uh, there's a story, I don't know for sure if it's true, but uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, a little known guy from Europe back in the, you know, whatever it was, 1600s, but they brought him a general who was an excellent candidate uh, to, uh, to be promoted and to be put in charge of large segments of his army. And uh, he asked this question supposedly. Yes, I know he's a great general and he's brilliant, but is he lucky? Have you ever heard the saying, the adage, it's better to be lucky than to be good? I'm sure we can all have our arguments and our controversies about that, but here's the thing. Here's what I'm here to tell you. In the case of you and me, we're sitting pretty because something completely out of our control happened that we did not earn, that we did not merit, that we didn't uh, strive to achieve, that we couldn't have put ourselves in that place. There is someone who chose us to bless us. Anybody, were you that kid in, in, uh, in the schoolyard that got chosen like for basketball and recess? Was that anybody here? Man, I hate you. I hate you, Eli. No, a lot of bitterness is coming up in my life. Right? I was kind of in the middle of the pack. You know, Tell the rest of us, how did that feel, Eli? It felt really good. They wanted, what sport was it or what game was it? Dodgeball. And you were the guy. You were the guy everybody's like, Eli, hello, and it's all downhill from there. That is, anybody else, were you chosen? Yes, Dan, what was your sport? What was the activity? Football. Football. Dan's being modest, because I know for a fact it's probably every sport, isn't it, Dan? Be honest. 
<laughs> Dan is a triple threat athlete. He's awesome. If you play with this guy, see him on the football field. He's a quarterback on flag football. He's out there. He's in two basketball leagues. I believe it, Dan. And again, it feels awesome to be chosen. But guess what? If you're like me and you were kind of more in the middle of the pack, here's something God wants you to know. He has chosen you to be on his team. And he wants you to, to feel that, to know that, and to rest in that. Listen to Ephesians 1, verses 3 through 5. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us, there's that word, we're gonna talk about that in a minute, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will. He chose you when? Did anybody catch it? Before the creation of the world, before you had done anything, before you had married anything, before you had shown any kind of possibility, potential, he chose you and me. What did he choose us for? Anybody? What did he choose us for? Adoption. Good, according to that. What else? Sonship. So good. What included in all that? Relationship, right? He chose us for relationship. He chose us. We know Jesus called the early disciples and chose them, and there's a phrase that shows up that says, that they might be with him. When he chose James and John, Peter and Andrew, he called them that they might be with him. Relationship was primary. It always has been in the heart of God. There's a guy in the Old Testament. I kind of like him. Dan mentioned him earlier. His name was Daniel. And uh, he, he, uh, it says in uh, chapter nine of Daniel, after all of the cool stuff that happens with the, you know, the, the three Hebrew children and the fiery furnace and all the things, uh, in the second part of the book, he's crying out because his people are in captivity in Babylon. And they've been there, and he was studying the, book, the, the scroll of Jeremiah, and he realized that God's promise was that they would be punished or, or disciplined for 70 years, and that time was coming close. And so he began to pray and fast and seek God and say, God, please, God, deliver us, forgive us of our sins, and God, uh, uh, show your goodness to us once again. And the angel Gabriel, the archangel, appeared to him. And I believe it's in verse 23, but he says, Daniel, you who are highly esteemed. It's a powerful word. Sybil, you who are highly esteemed by God. Think about if you hear that. Cade, you who are highly esteemed by the King of kings and Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. Debbie, you who are highly esteemed. Can you imagine being called that by the one, the angel who stands in the very presence of God? Sounds like being chosen, doesn't it? You who are highly esteemed. You know that word esteemed means some crazy stuff in the Hebrew. It means this. It can mean all these different things. Attracted. Ooh, this is my favorite. Covet or coveted. It's the same word that's used in the Ten Commandments. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, your neighbor's wife, and on and on. It's a strong feeling, a strong desire. What about this? Delight desirable, desire or desired, pleasing, precious, took great delight. The relationship that God had with Daniel, he emotionally loved and longed for relationship with Daniel in a way that can be interpreted as coveted that. 
Do you know that God wants relationship that way with you? Think about for a second, you have that kind of pull with God. Wouldn't you think like the God of the universe like doesn't even really know if you showed up? You could have skipped church tonight. He probably wouldn't even know. He's got millions of believers all over the world. You could have slid out. We don't take attendance. No. It says that he covets, he coveted relationship with Daniel. And I believe that that is what he desires for each one of us. James, I believe it's chapter four, verse five, uh, tells us this, and it's not in your notes, but it says the spirit that he has made to dwell in us yearns with envy. Some translations call it jealously. Is it, is it making sense how God feels for you, the desire that he has, the delight that he has in relationship with you? That's the kind of pull you have with God and he wants to have with your life and my life. So cool, he's chosen us. Two choices. When we realize that we've been chosen by him, there's two choices. We can either argue with the chooser or we can accept it and worship. And so often, do you find yourself like I do, arguing with him? Like, I'm not worthy, God. Like, no, I'm sure, like, no, I mean, I, you know, I mean, maybe you're gonna let me squeak into heaven, but like, really, I don't know, that chosen, like, that sounds really like, like I think too highly of myself. That doesn't sound like humility. Have you ever felt like that? Do you know what that is? It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's a demonic agenda against you and against me. Because if I'm gonna argue with the chooser of the universe with a capital C, that he wants to choose me and pour his love into my life, and think that that's somehow walking in humility when I'm calling him a liar or resisting his purposes to choose me and pour his blessing into my life as a channel for his glory ultimately? Man, Lord, I pray in Jesus' name, would you reveal, would you shine your light where the enemy has deceived us in thinking that we're being humble, we've, we've, we've drank the Kool-Aid of, oh, that false humility of like, oh yeah, no, I'm nothing in the kingdom of God. I'm, I'm just a, a little sinner saved by grace, whatever. I'm a worm. God, we, we rebuke that in the name of Jesus and we say yes to your truth and yes to your word in our lives that you have chosen us to love us and bless us. God, let your truth break every lie and be established in our spirit from this very first weekend of 2024. In Jesus' name, if you desire that, say amen. You see, God can't move on with his plan to receive glory if we don't, if we're arguing with him on the first part. We need to accept that when we do, it cultivates humility, true humility, because we know, man, I don't, I don't deserve it. I don't, there's nothing that makes me special but God has chosen to love me and pour his blessing into me. I feel pretty humble about that, and at the same time, I don't have to be like, oh, no, I'm not. I feel like, wow, I don't know how it happened, but I'm sure glad it did. I'm not arguing. <laughs> what about this? Not only did he choose us, but then he's blessed us. He's blessed us. The blessing of God includes both word and deed. We see Jesus in his baptism, right? We hear that he obeyed. He had John the Baptist baptize him and the heavens were open and a voice was heard saying what? This is my beloved son whom I love. With him, what? I'm well pleased. 
There is a verbal element. And then throughout the rest of the life of Jesus, we see what? It wasn't just empty words, was it? There was all of the Father's resources, all of the Father's provision, all of the Father's protection backed up the word of blessing that the Father had spoken. Do you agree? It's show and tell, right? It's not empty words, but it does include words. Jesus said late in his life, hey, I could call legions of angels right now and they would deliver me from this trial. We know earlier on when they were threatening to throw him off a cliff in Nazareth that it says it wasn't his time and it says he just walked through the crowd. I don't know what happened, but they were like, oh, look down off the cliff with him. And then they're like, you know, if you've seen It's a Wonderful Life, maybe it's like where the, the policeman had Clarence, you know, and then all of a sudden he just disappears. <laughs> the Father's resources, all of the blessing, all of the resource of heaven. When Jesus took the bread and blessed it and broke it and gave it, boom, the power of God, the blessing of the Father was backing up his son. It's the same with you and me. God has chosen you to bless you and he wants to do it with his words and he has done it, but he wants to do it again today and he wants to bless you with his actions. And it's a powerful and it's a life-changing thing. Um, Caleb, do you recognize this? What is this? It's the sword I gave you when you were 13 and, and what did it symbolize? symbolized becoming a man, a prayer shawl from Israel, and this sword, Solomon's sword, has the Star of David. It has uh, emblems there. Um, it has a menorah. And yeah, when Caleb was 13, we had a celebration. We've done it with all of our boys, with our three boys. We did it a little bit differently with our daughter, Eliana. But it was an opportunity to follow in, not like legalistically and not like I don't know all of the ins and outs of bar mitzvah ceremonies, but I do know that in the Hebrew tradition, at 13 in a day for boys, 12 in a day for girls, they would host a celebration. And they would have been trained to read the scroll, God's word. And for the first time in public, they would get to read the word of the Lord to the community of men, if it's a young man. And the father is able to declare over his son, from this day forward, you are no longer a boy. Today you are a man. Now, they don't probably use a sword like this. I just threw that in, you know. Felt cool. <laughs> You're a warrior. <clears throat> but it was such a fun time, wasn't it? Such a fun time. At the basement of Jubilee, there in the youth room, and we catered Qdoba or Chipotle. I don't know. My wife did it up real nice. We had programs, invited friends. But here's the thing. It was an opportunity for me to say, this is my son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And I wanted the world to know it. I wanted to speak that word over him. Because something happens in our spirit when we hear, you are loved, you are blessed, I am well pleased with you, go get him. You're a warrior, go get him. I'm behind you. Come on, I'm so proud of you. You've got talents, you've got giftings, you've got, you've got who you are. You're acceptable. You, you are a delight to me. I'm, I enjoy being around you. Others will enjoy being around The word of the Father can break years of a yoke. The word of the, water, the word of the Father can save you years of trying to prove something and trying to earn something and, and make sure others know something about you. If you're a daughter, they do the same thing. Today you're a woman. You're no longer a girl. 
You don't have to prove it. And it's like, wait a second. It, at 13, now, obviously, all of my children are very advanced, very intelligent, very strong, good-looking, naturally, gifted, you know, mind, spirit, body, soul. But, you know, is it fair to say, Caleb, at 13, you probably weren't the strapping, you know, um, man that you are today? Right? He was a 13-year-old kid. He's looking at me. I'm like, today you are a man. He's like, okay, thanks, Dad. You know, I don't think your voice had changed. It wasn't. <clears throat> but here's the thing, guys. Why is that important? Why is it important that the word of the Father comes early rather than at 18 when he's like, you know, wearing like a medallion and his button down? Hey, what's going on, you know? Why is that important? Anybody? I didn't really have a microphone, but just kind of, do you have a quick thought? Yell it out. What difference does it make when the word of the Father and the blessing of the Father comes? How so? Your identity. Mm. Yes. Early enough, it sets your identity. It has an impact, Eli. Nothing to prove, right? You're still in that place. Anybody else thought? Why does it, what does it make a difference? What? Length of relationship, I love that. You're earlier on already investing, this is what I think about you and I want you to know it. I'm not holding back to, yep, anybody else? Mm. Wow, you're calling them into manhood rather than letting the world call them into it and then sort of hopping on the bandwagon. I think that's so true, guys. And here's, I believe that God wants you to know that that's how he sees you. I think some of you are here and you're saying, I'm not showing much fruit. I don't have much hair on my chest. I don't have a deep, manly voice. You know, I don't have whatever as a young lady, whatever it might be, like I don't feel, I won't say it, I won't feel like a woman. I have to. Man, I feel like a woman. Okay. Da, 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 da. Okay, sorry. Couldn't resist. Whatever that is, I don't really know what that is, but to feel like a woman, right? I know, sorry. Okay, but here's the thing. Maybe you're saying, you know what? I haven't even shared my faith ever with anybody as a son or a daughter of God. I, I've never prayed for someone and see them get healed. I've never invited anybody to come to church with me. Uh, I've never really journaled or even read through the Bible once. I don't even know how to pronounce the minor, whatever is between like Psalms and like John, you know, bunch of stuff that God said a long time ago. And you're like, I don't, man, I think I'm a disappointment to God. I think if I think about how other Christians probably are, like I'm totally an underachiever. I'm totally ashamed that I call myself a Christian and yet I couldn't tell you the books of the Bible in order or couldn't tell you where the faith chapter is, or the love chapter, or the chapter of the resurrection. Anybody felt like that? Here's what God wants you to know. Look at Romans chapter four, verses 16 and 17. Therefore the promise comes by faith so that it may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all Abraham's offspring. Not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham. Not only to the genetically or ethnically descended from Abraham, but who is the faith of Abraham? That's us. 
It says this, he is the father of us all. As it is written, I have made you a father of many nations. He is our father in the presence of God in whom he believed. Listen to this part. The God who gives life to the dead and calls into being what does not yet exist. Other translations say he calls the things that are not as though they were. You see, the father isn't waiting to figure out if you're going to become a man or a woman. He's not wondering and, and scratching his head and kind of like, well, I'm holding back. I'm not putting all my eggs in one basket because, you know, they may not be a son or daughter who grows into someone who pleases me and whom I'm working and flowing through. He doesn't. He goes all in early. The voice of the Father is like, I'm able to call the things that are not as though they were. I don't wait around and see what you become spiritually. I'm calling it out right now. And you're sitting there as a 13 or 12-year-old spiritually. <laughs> dude i'm a warrior okay his word makes it a reality in your life his word replaces the question mark with a period of you do matter you do have a destiny you do have a calling you do have a purpose you are going to live a life that's going to be significant that's going to influence others that's going to point others to jesus that's going to use the talents and the giftings, the intelligence, the passions in your life, all the things that God has put in there to point others to him and for them to receive his blessing and his goodness in their lives. God wants you to know, you know, he doesn't wait around to decide if there's going to be a tree. If he plants a seed in your heart, he can put the dirt down and go, there's a tree right there. And he walks away. Kind of like I did at Christmas vacation when I was bowling better than I ever did in all of my life. Caleb, Cammie, it was an anointing came over me. I don't know what happened. We had all of our kids, all of our kids at boondocks. I literally, I like, how many, like seven strikes? In the, I don't know, it was ridiculous. Anyway, I don't know. It all came together, years of trying to do the spin and it never worked. And so I finally had Nathaniel film me and I bowled it and I walked away. Like Denzel Washington with all the explosions in the background. <laughs> and sure enough, it was a strike. I kid you not, it was a strike, and I have it on you. If anybody wants to see it, come up to me later. But here's the point. God does the same thing when he speaks a blessing in you. His word, his promise in your life, he sows it, and he goes, there's a tree growing right there. And the enemy's like, but I don't see anything yet. There's no fruit yet. They don't even act any different than the unbeliever who lives next to him. They said a bad word. Oh, they, blah, blah, blah. oh, they were selfish. Oh, they were jealous. Oh, look at all that sin in their life. And God's like, I said there's a tree. <laughs> All of a sudden, before, before the devil knows it, there's a little, something starts growing out of the ground. The devil's not intimidated by your lack of fruit. I mean, the God's not intimidated by your lack of fruit. God's saying, if I spoke it, just like when I say you're no longer a girl, you're a woman, you're no longer a boy, you're a man, my word makes it so. And I'm able to bring about and perfect and complete that which I've begun. You're blessed by the Lord. We're going to, in a couple of weeks, we're going to have an opportunity to um, share and, and hear more about the power of a word from the Lord. But I just want to kind of give a little primer. What an incredible opportunity we have at the beginning of a year to begin to ask God. Inquire of the Lord, like Dan Shaul, right? Inquire of the Lord. Ask of the Lord, God, is there a word that you have for me this year? Is there a seed you want to sow into this, 
this heart into the soil of my spirit that you want to grow. Maybe it's this year. Maybe it's a life word. I don't know, whatever. But what an incredible opportunity. We want to challenge you guys. Begin asking the Lord, would you? God, is there a word you want to speak? Is there a promise? Is there a verse? Is there a phrase? Whatever it might be. Is there a song? It could be anything. But God, I want, I'm open. I want you to speak into the spirit so that I can latch my faith around it and a tree of righteousness can grow from your blessing and from your word. We're gonna have an opportunity again, like I said. In a couple weeks, we'll go into that a little bit more deeply and maybe even have an opportunity to share some of those things with one another. But begin to think about that as you think about God and the blessing that he wants to bless you with. The last but not least, not only are we chosen by him, not only are we blessed by him in word and in deed, but then we're called to live a life of overflow. In Genesis 12, verse two, going back to the calling of Abram, after God said, I'm gonna bless you, then he said this in verse two, and you will be a blessing. In verse three, he says, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. You see, right from the start, it was not intended to be a pond that just receives the blessing and the goodness of God, but ultimately gets stagnant and stale. I believe that what God has envisioned for you and for me is to graft us into his story of blessing, where he chose a man and a family, and ultimately they became a nation and a people to be his conduit of blessing for all nations. It was never just about them. It was never just about you. You know, sometimes, you know, we, we, we hear the story, maybe we even tell ourselves, it's not about you. It's not about me. I'm not sure where I sit fully with that because I kind of think God's going, well, yeah, it is about you. Like, Rich, I'm not just trying to use you to get to somebody else. It's not a Ponzi scheme. Like, hey, introduce me to all your friends. You know, knife salesman, whatever. Like, you know, who do you know? You know, oh, Rich told me you could use this. And then it's like, who do you know? And God's not just trying to use your social network to get his gospel and his message out there. He could get an angel to fly, like, you know, put some goggles on, fly an airplane. Jesus saves, you know. Pray this prayer. Dear Father in heaven, Mother, there's another plane. Oh, I'm a sinner, but you came, you know. It would take like five angels. That's it. Full gospel message, sinner's prayer, done. Like a last word, like a QR code. If you want a church to be baptized in water, he doesn't need you and your social network. He's not trying to like just use you. It is about you first. He loves you first. He wants to choose, he has chosen you. The gospel, Jesus dying as we celebrated at communion, it is about you. If you were the only sinner who needed him, he would have come and let his life be poured out for you. It is about you. Take it in. He doesn't want me to go, oh, it's not about me. Let me just transport this message and this blessing. No, no, no. Drink it in deeply. Your love, God. Your sonship. Your adoption. Your incredible redemption and forgiveness. Your identity. Man. You see what happens if we don't drink it in deeply? Anything that we try to do to live a life of overflow will end up being short-lived. It'll end up being a performance. It'll end up being out of a slave mindset or orphan mindset instead of out of a spirit of sonship and daughterhood. And God's like, no, I'm not playing that game. 
I want you to know you're my daughter and I love you. And whenever you forget, you come right back here and let me tell you again. Let me show you my goodness in your life. We'll take a time out from all the people that need me out there. I want to pour my love into you. And when you feel like, wow, thank you, God. And I'm overflowing. All right, hey, are you ready? Let's go. Let's live a life of overflow because there's other people that are thirsty. We're going to talk about that more next week as well. Here's what Jesus said in Matthew 10, verse 8. He was calling his disciples and sending them out, uh, the 72, to proclaim the, the good news of the kingdom. And he said this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cure those with leprosy, cast out demons, give as freely as you have received. Other translations say freely you have received what? Freely give. In a different scripture, the apostle Paul quotes Jesus and says this, he who said it is more blessed to than to my paraphrase for that, I think what he's saying is, man, you think it's fun to receive? And it is fun to receive, isn't it? Like, if we think God is trying to get us to say, oh, it's not fun to receive, I'm so humble and I'm so sanctified that I don't even like receiving from God. Like, I'm, beyond, I'm over that. I'm, o- I'm way too spiritual. It's like somebody's trying to sell you something. They're trying to be like, God, no. God's like, you're made to enjoy my blessing and to enjoy pursuito ham, maybe, unless you're a practicing Jew. Um, you're made to enjoy bacon. Ah, more pork reference. I don't. You're made to enjoy olive oil. You're made to enjoy a hot tub, Pastor Dan. You're made to enjoy, you know, amazing bread. You're made to enjoy my goodness. I'm never trying to, to twist you into some weird that you can't enjoy all of my beautiful blessings, my creation. But, it, but in the process of that, it's, wow, if you think it's fun to receive, wait until you join me on the giving side and you take what, what I've given you and now you join me together in pouring that out on someone else, seeing their life changed, seeing their dry, thirsty soil begin to moisten up and have life in it. God's calling us to live a life of overflow. Justin Stone said this, overflow is a part of what transforms us. We begin to talk in teaching team about the idea that the circle of blessing and praise is not complete until we overflow, right? We can receive from the Lord, but there's something in our heart even that isn't fully finished until we're willing to join him and say, okay, God, how do you want this to overflow so that I can not just be blessed, but be a blessing so that others may praise and and worship you. I believe God is inviting us this year. We're gonna spend a good part of this year digging into that. God, how do you want me to join you in a life of overflow that's beyond me? But not like go. In fact, we had talked about on the teaching team, like, hey, maybe we should call the year go. You know, like, we're gonna go. We're gonna get off our sorry rear ends and go. (laughs) Be real Christians. But we began to think about it and pray about it. It was like, God was like, no. It's not about like, okay, you sh- have you drank enough already? You know, like one, two, three, four, that's enough. Or one, two, three, that's enough for me. What's the little drinking fountain thing in school, you know? One, two, three, that's enough for me. Get to the back of the line. You've already had enough. You know, let somebody else drink. That's not what God's saying. He's going, stand under my waterfall of blessing. And I'm not asking you to leave. I'm just asking you to like put your hands in a way that somebody else can get splashed. Right? But you're continuing to receive my blessing my identity, my love, day in, day out for the rest of your life. So we're, we're calling it living a life of overflow. 
Here's, I'll close with this story. Um, I forget how many years ago, seven or eight years ago, um, I was making a decision as to whether I was going to take Dan up on his suggestion that I go on Thumbtack, which is the service provider app, and officiate weddings on the side. Outside of the church. With heathens. Actually, no. Not all heathens, but some people, you know. And so I was like, you know, they have different categories, you know, like, you know, Christian, Catholic, Jewish, you know, uh, non-denominational. And then there's a category that's like non-religious. And it literally says on Thumbtack, no mention of God. And I was like, what do I do? You know what I mean? Do I click that category? Like, I offer that or don't I? And I'm like, mm-mm-mm. I was like, Lord, what do I do? Right? I'm a pastor. I believe that love, Jesus is love. Love is Jesus. God is the only, you know, whatever. Like, ooh, what do I do? And I felt like the Lord, I mean, it wasn't like a vision, like, ooh, my eyes rolled up, you know, and it was, you know, it wasn't like super freaky like that, but it was like a pretty strong mental picture that I still remember. And it was like, there was like a, a dirt street, probably somewhere, I've been to Guadalajara, Mexico, and Peru, and different places, probably somewhere, if I had to guess, in Latin America, I don't know. But there was a, a dirt street, houses all along it, it was clearly in an area that, that probably was underprivileged. And then all of a sudden, in one spot, there was this huge mansion, and it had high walls, probably, you know, 12 feet high. It had a big gate, big, maybe, you know, 20 feet and it was like with iron bars. And inside this mansion was a lush green yard on one side. And on the other side, it had a swimming pool with like a, with like a um, what do you call it, a, a slide. A slide into it, and there were kids playing and laughing and running around, and they were dressed in new clothes, and they had new tennis shoes on or whatever. You went into the house and there was over on one side like, uh, like an area with computers and, and students were being tutored and helped with their homework. And they had backpacks that had been purchased for them. And then on the other side, there was like a refrigerator and there were snacks. There were, you know, chips and Capri Suns. I don't, never learned how to say that. Moms? Capri Sun. I never know if it's Capri Sun, Capri Sun. Anyway, Juice, you know, obviously less sugary drinks as well, you know, healthy options. Um, but there was that, you know, kids were grabbing snacks. There was a huge dining room table, you know, probably could seat 20 or something. Kids sitting there laughing, whatever. They were just totally blessed. Every need was met. They were loved. They were taken care of. And then outside the gates, there were kids looking in and seeing all of this blessing going on, and they didn't have any of that stuff. They didn't have a new backpack. They didn't have good shoes on their feet. They, didn't, they needed help with school. They, weren't, they, they, were, they were struggling in so many areas. And the Lord challenged me and said, you know, DJ, the way that you've seen the good news for most of your life is that what God wants to do with those people that don't know him is when they're looking inside the gate, you pass some adoption papers, roll them up in a rubber band and go, hey, all you have to do is sign on that line that says you're willing to give your life to the owner of this mansion and he'll adopt you, and then I'll let the door in, and you can experience all of these wonderful blessings. And they're like, I mean, it looks fun, but I don't, never met the guy, and I don't know if I trust, like, signing my life away with an adoption paper. And I think that the Lord challenged me and said, that's not my heart. My heart has opened the gates. Let people come in. Let them help themselves in the fridge. Let them get help with whatever they want. Let them do a cannonball in the pool. 
Let them make friends. Let them get a new backpack. Let them enjoy all of my goodness and my blessings for them. And maybe one day, three months or six months down the road, one of them will be sitting at a, at a table after months of blessing, years of blessing, and go, hey, by the way, like, who does this all belong to? And the kid sitting next to him is like, oh, it belongs to my dad. What? Your dad? It's like, yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't always my dad, but he adopted me. He's my dad now. What? Yeah, no, you know what? Like, do you have a dad? No, I don't have a dad. Dude, he would totally be your dad. Do you want that? You know? And it's no pressure. It's not a pressure pitch. It's not a sales pitch. And I believe that God put in my heart saying, man, I want the world out there to experience my love, to experience my blessings, and I've put it in my sons and daughters. And you've got areas that God has gifted you and sown into you ways in which he wants his goodness and his blessing to overflow. I told Christina I might embarrass her. This woman can bake bread in a way that can make an atheist fall to his knees. <laughs> worship, worship the creator. I worship the maker of this wheat and rosemary flavor and cranberries, I don't know, whatever. Some of you have gifts of being an electrician or just sitting with someone and listening to their problems or whatever, taking care of their pets or mowing their lawn when they're away or I don't know, telling a joke, giving them a hug. I don't know what it might be for you. But God has put something in you and God's saying, hey, would you let me have that thing and let me use that thing as a vessel of my love and my blessing for somebody else this year. And I believe that only if we truly believe, if we get away from the false humility, oh no, God can't use me. He'll probably use one of the pastors or he'll use like a house church leader or he'll use somebody else. No. And you go, Lord, here I am. Maybe it's not much. Maybe it seems like some tiny, tiny little thing. But God, if this is what you've given me, I'm willing to have, give it to you so you can take it, you can bless it, you can break it, you can give it. I don't know what'll come of it. But here I am, Lord. I believe God wants to surprise us and we're gonna see incredible things happen. Father, thank you for your promise to us. Thank you for calling us, for choosing us, for blessing us. God, we ask you now that you give us eyes to see the way you want us to be a vessel of your love to others. Others outside these walls, others who maybe are hurt and wounded, others who have, have walked away maybe those who have never even heard of your incredible love, God. God, would this be the year that we sow tiny, tiny little seeds, just whatever you've put in us, tiny, tiny little ways, but that begin to grow into a hunger and thirst for you that ultimately grows into relationship to see how good you are and bring you glory. God, we give you our yes. And if... if if you're willing to give God your yes and say, Lord, it might not be much, but whatever you've put inside of me, I'm, I'm saying yes to you this year, God. I'm saying yes, use me. If you're willing to do that, would you just say yes? Yes, Lord. Use us the tiniest ways. God, it doesn't matter if it seems insignificant. Bless it, anoint it, cause it to be a seed in someone else's life that brings about great fruit in them for your glory. Bless your people in Jesus' name. Amen.